What's going on, everybody? This is Callers on Tap. I'm your host, Evan Kelly, along here with co-host KK. What it is, what it do, what it ain't. Whatever it means. Uh, we got a good one here for you this week. Um, going to talk about some Braves. Finally starting to get into a little bit of football season, about five weeks until the NFL season begins. feel like it's been a long, long time coming. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. But before we do, I broke some big news about KK a few weeks ago, but, uh, he's got, he's got some news. Uh, KK, what is the big news? Well, I know you guys listen to a podcast probably two or three episodes ago. I announced that I am engaged and I also found out I will be a dad come January 29th. Hey. Yeah. So I'll be a raising low athlete. So, going to have a little KK running around here um, just in time for the NBA All-Star break. (laughs) (laughs) So, coming in at a good time, and that's only three days away from my birthday. So, Yeah, kid kid share the same birthday. Kid kid will be in good company, for sure. Well, congrats on that. With that being said, this is Ballers on Tap. So, what would we be if we didn't do the on tap portion of the episode so this week we got something a little different and i'm not gonna lie i got it mainly because of how cool the label is so this week we have a beer from founders brewing which apparently is out of grand rapids michigan so it's made its way down here to georgia and the one we're trying today is called backwoods bastard now, KK, what what did the box look like when I, I saw that? And I was like, this one is pretty cool. Well, yeah, it, it got both of our attention. I mean, you pretty much have Gandalf from Lord of the Rings with an axe. Yeah, it's it looks like Gandalf if Gandalf was from the a country bumpkin, the like Appalachia hillbilly. It's like a really badass. A legit hillbilly looking dude, old yeah, old guy. Comes to mind is like, uh, have you seen ever seen the movie Wrong Turn? No, I've never seen Wrong Turn. Or even kind of Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, something it's like kinda, that. Looks like it'd be something out of that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just a really cool design. So good marketing on their end. I will say. Um, so Backwoods Bastards is a ale aged in oak bourbon barrels so the way they describe the flavor um they basically say there's gonna be smells of single malt scotch which i'm a fan of oaky bourbon barrel smoked sweet caramel and roasted malts a bit of earthy spice and a scintilla of dark fruit it's kickback sipper made to excite the palate and kk what is that a alcohol percentage coming in. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, pre-show, we're reading the bottle and looking at it, and I realized, like, oh my god, it's 11% alcohol. So 11% alcohol. So By this, by far our strongest that we've ever yeah, tried Yeah, our strongest. We've had some 10%. Um, this one came in a four-pack to make sure nobody gets too crazy. But, uh, like I said, marketing is cool. Um, I'm a fan of dark ales, especially if they're in kind of single malt scotch barrels so i'm excited to try this one out that being said we're gonna pop it open 
pour it out and let uh, KK tell you what it what it looks like before we actually try it. So here we go, opening it. What kind of smell are you getting? To me, it's it smells good. It does smell. It smells like oaky and scotchy, which I it, know is not does. not your forte, but like I do love like bourbon and scotch. And holy crap, that is dark. I see KK pouring it into the glass right now. It's very dark. It looks like coffee coming out of the bottle. Yes, yeah, so yeah, it looks like a cold brew coffee. Or <laughs> it something. looks like cold brew coffee. Um, whereas, like, so does Guinness, but this one smells a lot smokier and more, more like Scotch than Guinness. There's really not a head on it at all. No, not not much head. Not a big thick head on it. But man, that is dark. That looks like a true i mean if you go to starbucks and order a dark cold brew that's that's what <laughs> i definitely in the get the bourbon right smelling it definitely yeah. get it smells right. like bourbon which again no problem with me i, I love it so let's, let's give this a let's taste. go ahead and try this thing out oh that's not bad it's not it, bad it's if anything yeah i taste strong like, yeah it is it's almost like they said hey here's some bourbon for real it that's it tastes like I'm sipping on bourbon if and this is essentially what they did but if this makes sense it tastes like bourbon if bourbon was an ale yeah I mean that's that's, it's that's like, exactly what it is it's like I, I actually think it tastes pretty good it's like a fizzy or it's like a carbonated ale bourbon yeah gotta try again again you know to be honest Seeing how dark it was in the 11, 11%, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be rough. But this actually is not bad. No, it tastes good. I mean, yeah, it's actually pretty damn good. It, Like I said, it's like sipping on a bourbon. I do taste some of the oak, too. I mean, it's in these, you know, oak bourbon barrels. So you're getting a little bit of the wood, a little bit of the bourbon, and then a tiny bit of the hops, if that makes sense. Yeah, but... You explained it perfect. It's like bourbon, like carbonated. Yeah. It's almost like what it is. But a little easier to drink. So yeah, it's definitely actually, a lot easier to drink. You can make it through a couple bottles. Um, I'm not surprised at all that it's 11%, though. Oh, yeah, I get that now. So, I mean, yeah, it's not like you're sipping on Bud Light or something. I mean, it's got a little kick to it, a little flavor to it, but it's good. Yeah, there wasn't much head on it, but it's definitely a heavy beer. I know we, oh, yeah. we talk about like a beer you can sit by the pool and kind of chill and sip. Wow, this definitely is a heavier beer, but it's actually I like it. Yeah, if I'm so this sounds weird. If I'm drinking this, I'm thinking maybe it's because we're talking about Labor Day and maybe going getting like a cabin. Yeah. This makes you, you think I want to be up in the mountains when it's a little cooler outside. Exactly. Sipping this on the deck. Yeah, ne- like next to the fire and it's yeah. definitely more of a, a winter beer. I and feel I'll, like. I'll probably see Backwoods Bastard dude walking around up, you in probably the, will. up in the mountains of North Georgia for sure. Pretty sure I've seen him before <laughs> up in Helen. So, hey, I like it. Um, I mean, Anybody who likes any kind of whiskey or just even a, a darker brew, definitely try out Founders Backwoods Bastard. Um, so on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 to 10? I'm, I'm going to give this one a 8.5 for me. I actually really enjoyed it. And yeah. this, this is not something I would think I would enjoy. 
I agree. I'm right there with you at eight and a half for what it is. Um, <clears throat> like the Luau Crunkles, we rated that one real high. This is coming in real high. They're just completely different beers. Oh yeah, like mm-hmm. like we said, the other one is a I want to sit at the pool drink it. This one has a totally different feel. Um, but for what it is, for how strong it is, for what it's supposed to be, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I give this about a eight and a half. Yeah. So definitely try this one out if you like any kind of dark, you know, little oakier taste. So good job, Founders Backwoods Bastard, and I'm looking forward. We saw they had a, a they had three or four. They more had bastards. a decent selection. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to try out the other ones too. So with that being said. Let's jump right into it. I'm going to let KK go in on what is going on with our Atlanta Braves. So our weekly update on the Braves. We're a game and a half back behind the Phillies. I feel like we've been a game and a half back for about three weeks now. Kind of, we started, came back from the All-Star break. It was kind of rough. Lost three out of four out of the Dodgers. We were kind of struggling a little bit. But then again, after Sean Newcomb's near no-hitter, which I was praying for that, Happened a couple Sundays ago. Two outs in the ninth, right? Yep. He had two outs in the ninth. Needed one more. Just that's Atlanta sports for you. But uh, yeah, so we went on a five game win streak, playing good. We just started a huge series this week against the Nationals. We got four games there. We started today, Tuesday, with a day night doubleheader. We lost a game one, hoping to bounce back game two. This is a huge series. This is a chance. Nats are four and a half games back behind the Braves. So this is a chance. If you come out of here with a 3-1 series win, you could almost bury them because they'd be seven and a half back from the Braves. And then probably, depending on how the Phillies do this week, they'll be nine and a half back. So you can easily almost put them away with about a month and a half left in the season. So the Nationals, this is kind of their last straw. I know we talked about at the trade deadline – where they were kind of trying to determine, like, are we going to be buyers or sellers? Like, do we break up this team? Do we kind of start over? And what they do? They've they've won nine out of their last twelve now. So, so yeah, which I know a lot of people said that that was kind of the GM's way of kind of kind of a pep talk. That look, y'all are a lot better. Which we both agree, they're clearly the better team in the division with all that talent. They just haven't been playing that well. But they're starting to turn around, which is scary for me. I mean, I still can't believe I still can't believe what the Phillies are doing. Yeah, and we we've been saying that all season. Yeah, every week it's like we we don't believe in the Phillies, but they they keep on winning. They got great pitching. They just get the job done. Couple things had the trade deadline last week. Braves added two relief pitchers, Johnny Venters, Venters, which welcome back, and Brock from Baltimore. We traded those two players for pretty much nothing. International signing slots. That's it. And we also moved Lucas Sims, Preston Tucker, and Matt Whistler for Adam Duvall. Power hitting left fielder. He's a gold glove left fielder. Right-handed hitter. Um, this year he's hitting 205, 15 homers, 61 RBIs with the Reds. And actually, it was kind of interesting. Anthopolis got him to face lefties. He's going to play left field when a left-hander pitcher is pitching. And Ronald Acuna is going to move to center. So that means Ender is sitting, which is crazy. Last year, he had about 310, and he was one of your star players, and now he's almost moving to a platoon role because he's struggling this year. He's only hitting 207 against lefties this year, which you can't have that. 
So he's almost at a platoon role now. So we'll we'll see how that goes. How they how him and Snicker decide to kind of divvy that up. All right. So what do you see <clears throat> coming from the Braves here in the next couple of weeks? Man, I feel like what is it, about three or four episodes ago, I went all in. I said Braves. I'm all in. I'm behind you. Because the whole season, I'm kind of like, well, I'm waiting for the kind of the slide. And well, we got the slide. We got it before the All-Star break and a little bit, probably a week out of the All-Star break. I'm nervous. Now, I'm scared because I feel like we can't make ground on the Phillies. And now the Nationals are heating up. So I'm worried. But of course, right after we said that, we had that discussion. That's when the Braves came out and said, we're not trading away the everything just for the season exactly they know they're playing for the future it's the exact same thing i was kind of talking about us as atlanta fans just want to see something happen and we're a little impatient now i'm not saying they've packed it in at all i mean they're definitely still competing this year to see how far they can go but again the fact that the team wasn't willing to sell out everything just to have a good year this year i think kind of puts the season into perspective a little bit that hey it's been a good season we do like where we're at we're not expecting to be the first place team we're not expecting to go all the way this year we really hope we do and I mean I still think these guys can make it happen but we're not all in it's not a desperation throw to just see if we can yeah and I love that though about Anthopolis not giving away our pretty much future for this season. Yeah, we played great this year, but we can all say we're overachieving. Now, as a Braves fan, I would love to be overachievers, but don't <laughs> tease me this much. Yeah. Like I, I would I would rather be overachieving in the national position, being eight and a half games back. It's like, yeah, we have a good team this year, but man, next year. But now we were sitting here, it's like, man, we mm-hmm. really got a chance to win the division. Yeah. But I still love the moves he made. Now I wanna ask Didn't your, give up my nothing. I wanna ask your opinion. I mean it's been Let's see, about a, over a month since Acuna's injury with his leg. I mean, obviously, he's been playing. He's been fine. How, I mean, just looking from pre-injury to post-injury, how do you think he's been here over the last, what, say, month and a half? Has it even been that long? Yeah, it's probably been a couple months. I mean, he's played okay. I mean, he's young. He's 20 years old. I look at I look at him and especially Ozzy Albies, which Ozzy Albies is twenty one, I think. I, but they're young. They're they're kind of free swingers. It's they might come up with two outs and the base is loaded and they swing at the first pitch and you pop it up. I mean that kind of stuff to me is frustrating. Pulling a Frank Core. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what's frustrating to me is like man, I wish you could be patient. But then again, if when I was twenty years old and I'm in the majors and especially the bases are loaded. Like Yeah, you're trying to. But that's just some of the growing pains. That's why you bring them up, you let them grow, let them do do what it do. <laughs> but Acuna, I still think he's playing good. He's been batting leadoff now for us, and he's been doing well with that, getting on base. I, I think just one of those, they're, they're getting hits, but it's not really the timely hits. Yeah. So Ronald Acuna, he might go two for four, but when he had runners on base, he was 0 for two. Kind of one of those. So, but that's just one of the things you... You just kind of let it go, let it ride, let them grow, let them develop, and see how it goes. Okay, so what do we got? Um, I mean, coming up here, what's what's vital here in the next week? 
think we got to win out this series. I would love to go 2-2. Two, two. Four two, games two. against the Nationals, go 2-2. Two, two. So we lost the first one today. Today we, was today was ugly, though. It was. It, it got ugly quick. We, um, we'll have one tonight, part, the last part of the doubleheader. So I'll hopefully win one tonight, maybe one next two days. And I'm fine with that. Splitting, especially how hot they are, splitting that series, perfectly fine with it. And we can just move on. All right, so we'll, we'll check in next week and uh, see what, what happened in the series. But that's this week's breakdown of the Braves. I mean, it is starting to get crunch time. They're still a little bit in the season, but, I mean, you know, everybody's playing for October. So we're here not not quite halfway through August, still, still pretty early, but teams are definitely starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, I mean, what I'm excited for is us having these young players and being in this position to maybe make the playoffs and having a little bit of that pressure on them versus going four or five years never being competitive and all of a sudden trying to have a good team. I I like that our young guys are getting this in early, so in two, three years, it's nothing new, and they, they know what to expect. Totally agree with that. So, all right. Appreciate it, KK. That is our Braves wrap up now right here it is that time again it's time for the hangover of the week week. and for those of you who don't know our hangover of the week is our weekly segment where we just kind of talk about a story that is making us sick, giving me a headache, something that I just want to put it into. Every time it keeps popping up, I'm just over it. KK is over there and needs some Pedialyte. It's giving me a hangover, and I'm ready to get over this story. So this week, I'm going to let KK start it off. Get to it. Okay, well, news broke out last week. I'm sure we've all heard the story, so I'm not going to go into big detail about the story, but... Urban Meyer, two weeks ago, he fired his wide wide receivers coach, Zach Smith, amid allegations of domestic abuse. Well, turns out, Zach Smith's ex-wife told reporters that she had let Urban Meyer's wife know, who is an employee of the university, and nothing ever came, came about it. So that's been happening since 2015. Now, what what does his wife do? His his wife is a nurse, uh, somewhere in the nursing program. Okay, professor, aide, something like that. So, not even talking about Urban, but as a university employee, you have that duty that you report that to your uppers, your boss, and whatever. It's just like you ever watch like TV shows or movies where. If a kid in high school says something about suicide or anything about self-harm or doing something to the school, that is their duty. They are legally obligated to report that to their supervisors and whatnot. Well, in Urban's media days, he said he knew nothing about 2015 domestic abuse. He just fired Zach Smith. So this report comes out. Now it looks like Urban Meyer's lying, which my opinion, he is. I have always kind of took him as a guy... That's kind of kind of dirty. Just does what it takes to win. 
even back to his Florida days. In 2008, Florida Gators, they won their national championship. Out of their 121 players on their roster, 41 of those had arrests, assaults, you know, misdemeanors, drugs. That's but, crazy. That but is huge. That's 33%. It's ridiculous. But you know who else was on that Gators team? Who? The savior, mm-hmm. Tim Tebow. So he kind of helped mask that. Now, I'm not saying mm-hmm. Tim Tebow knew about that stuff. I mean, I, that he's not even in this conversation. No, but like he gave the media something to focus on. Exactly. And Urban Meyer kind of used that to kind of take care of this other stuff. So now it just looks like Urban Meyer lied, which, yeah, I think he did. I think he knew all about it. He didn't do anything because circumstances are this Zach Smith is also the nephew of Urban Meyer's mentor. But I, I don't, they keep using mentor. I don't, I'm not sure. I guess a coach, every coach has a mentor or something. <laughs> so kind of keeping that, keeping him with a job, kind of helping, helping him out. And supposedly you got Courtney Smith's own family and people around the Ohio State athletic staff saying, hey, don't report this. Your husband's going to lose your job. Look at your lifestyle. I mean, it almost sounds like a Lifetime movie. Yeah. Like, all this stuff, like, and kind of the cover-up. Now, didn't she not only tell the wife, didn't she send the wife, Urban's wife, pictures of her, like, beaten up face? She, and that's the that's the big kicker. They have screenshots of text messages she sent to the wife and also pictures that she has. Now, Zach Smith went public this past week and said all, the, all her injuries were all like defensive moves that he he did. So she's attacking him. He kind of is in defense mode. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he said that. He also said Urban Meyer shouldn't lose his job. That's not fair to him. But forget all that. My hangover this week is like Urban Meyer. I'm tired of hearing about it because, dude, you need to step down. Like, Or Ohio State, grow a, grow a pair and fire him. Now they, they hired a committee that's going to take about 14 days is what they came out and said to determine – if he lied and what he knew, which I think he should be fired, but I know how this is going to go because it's Ohio State that he's going to end up keeping his job. And I thought it was funny. Urban Meyer, on last Friday, he released a statement saying what he knew, what he did at 4.30 on a Friday at the end of a news cycle. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all, it's all you're all kind of playing games now. He's like, hey, He's talking to his lawyer. What should I say? He's talking to the AD, talking to the president of the university. What should I say? Because Ohio State don't want to lose him. I mean, yeah, Urban Meyer, he's a great coach. He's won everywhere he's gone. But there also comes a time where you got to do it the right way. And this, especially now, and this, which it's it's never been, it's always been an issue. But now with the Me Too movement, which I have nothing against, this is like a huge like topic in society. I mean, it's funny you say that. Like now, with the way the climate is currently, I was up in South Carolina last weekend visiting my my parents, and me and my dad were having the same conversation about this doesn't fly now. And what I pointed to was we all knew domestic violence goes down in all every profession. I mean, you could be working with somebody who's doing it; it's not okay. You don't know about it. But the minute it becomes public, yeah, that's bad news. But football, particularly, it's not good. But, yeah, there's been some history of it. Ever since the Ray Rice video, I think that's what what all of a sudden made it 
unacceptable. Because when Ray Rice original reports came out and they gave him a rinky-dink suspension, that was kind of the norm. And then all of a sudden, that video came out of him knocking his wife out in the elevator or whatever it was in the lobby and dragging her out. And supposedly the NFL never saw that. Yeah. But let's be real. Yeah, I know. So when that came out and that imagery, having a video of it, that went way beyond football. I mean, college, NFL, that that was on every... That was on news stations, CNN. Like, it doesn't matter what. You could not care about football. You saw that video at some point because it was a national story. And I think that blew it open. Like, nowadays, having videos of everything, that Ray Rice story, I think, all of a sudden made leagues and colleges have to follow suit be a lot more strict on this. And this even looking like it might have been a cover-up, doesn't fly in the climate of today. So I, I think really in the last five, six years, it's come, it's gone from a suspendable offense because we don't see it to now you see it. And I mean, pictures are louder than words and the pictures of her face getting beat up and where she sent him out. I think that speaks to it. So just in today's climate, yeah, that's definitely a lot stronger. Urban Meyer, like you said, you have a third of your team getting some kind of arrest, some kind of something. And we, we didn't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. And some, I mean, a lot of, like, that's not just football. I mean, there's a lot of coaches out there that would not put up with that. Yeah. But like you said, Urban Meyer has won everywhere he's gone. And now I'm kind of looking at that as, well, he's won because he's willing to put up with what he needs to in order to win. That really is the most important thing to him. Yeah, and I, I get, yeah, you, as a coach, your number one thing is to win, but you also got to shape young men. The, and, and especially in college football. I think that's that's your job. You're going into these kids' homes, talking to their moms and dads. I'm going to bring them to my school. Yeah, I'm going to teach them how to play football, but these parents are also sending their kids away to for three, four years for you to shape them into how to become young men. Yeah, and brings me to another point. Like we loved the about Mark Rick, the the good guy, and he's going to treat your kid right. Which all reports I've ever heard was that's what he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got in trouble for something, like he made you pay. It don't matter if you're the star quarterback. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a Heisman winner, it doesn't matter. If you got in trouble, he's going to stick to what to what he said. And I think that's how he won. A lot of parents over as far as his recruiting. Of course, I'll I'll always respect Mark Rick. He's not at Georgia yeah. anymore, so yeah, there's some Georgia bias. I wish Mark Rick well wherever he goes because Same he here. really was that guy that he says something in front of the cameras. He's saying the same thing to his players, yeah. and I always respected him. Granted, it was a little frustrating. It seemed like every year we had a running back or linebacker, somebody getting suspended for some dumb stuff. But Mark Rick. I'll, I mean, you cannot dispute that. He always got out ahead of it. He was, he was going to keep it real with you. He never let these stories get out to the public and then had to backtrack. Mark Rick was a man, and he took responsibility, and he would suspend you or kick you off before it became some big media story. So, I mean, I didn't mean to jump into No, you're all right, tears. man. It's a, it's a big subject. I but, mean, it's, on, it's everywhere. Yeah. Talking about the Urban Meyer thing. Um, like you said, yeah, Tebow can kind of mask it and – 
I mean, they've enroomed Tebow with Hernandez to try to, you know, I mean, Tebow, yeah, he is, I, I think, yeah, of course he's a good guy. There's no reason not to think he is. So they had him room with Aaron Hernandez to maybe try to influence him a little bit. Obviously, we all know how that went. I mean, that's just a tragic story all around, but it, there's things going on that Urban Meyer obviously was not getting in front of, did not care about. This story, I think, just adds to that legacy. To me, it's one of those things where it's kind of, okay, it happens once, shame on you, like maybe you miss it. When it starts piling up, piling up, like you just said, 33% of that team had a rest. I mean, at some point, you got to just look at him and say, okay, what what's really going on? Yeah, exactly. And one last thing before I close it out. Courtney Smith, the – I don't want to say accuser because I believe it happened, but – The the victim. The, the victim, yeah. That, that's a better word. Her lawyer came out and said, like, she hasn't received any payment for any of the interviews she's done about coming forward. And I believe that. I mean, she's really just – I'm glad she got she's gotten out of that relationship – She's not out there trying to take anybody down, trying to take the the football program down and Urban Meyer down. I really don't think so. Urban Meyer made a huge mistake and his wife. I think his wife is just as much blame as Urban. Yes. Because she she f- knew firsthand. And she said Urban Meyer's wife said like, "Yeah, I'll tell Urban and woo woo, but I mean, let's be honest. Either she did, but you can also look at so th- did Urban really not know? Yeah, there's no way, and that's that's the card he's playing now. He really didn't. Now know. we know, we know. You go home to your now fiance. I go home to my wife. They tell you what happened during the day. You think he really went home one night, and his wife never told him about her friend, his assistant coach's wife, texting her saying she got beat up. You think that never came up in the in the home? Yep, exactly. That that's why I have a hard. I just can't believe that. And supposedly Urban said Urban Urban and Shelly Meyer, that's his wife, had they tried to push him into counseling and but no, you're you're past counseling. You're already at like, I mean that's domestic a, abuse. You're already past that. Yeah, that's like the cops getting but involved. If in I'm point. Urban, like, dude, it's your wide receivers coach. Like, it's not your offensive coordinator, it's not your D coordinator, like somebody huge that pivotal for your team. Just cut that off like way before. But now he, he lied at media day saying he knew nothing about it. So now he's having to backtrack. I mean, yeah, him looking back now, he wished he would have just cut it off. But it's just one of those things. I'm tired of hearing about it. Urban, just go ahead and step down. Yeah. Go ahead and get fired. Don't even get me started on the rally that he had yesterday. Did you hear about that? I didn't hear about the rally. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's about 200 people at Ohio State yesterday rallying for Urban Meyer. Of course. Yeah. Just, and, just like, there, by people, the way, just late, like there are people rallying for Joe Paw. It's yeah. like... The dude hid a pedophile, and y'all are rallying for him because why? He won you some football games? There's bigger things in life. Exactly. And the rally yesterday for Urban, all the, there's an old white guy that had a sign that said, Me too. Like, dude, like you, you can't relate that to this. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're supporting this coach. And the rally, they're blaming ESPN for bringing this to light. They're saying one guy had a sign that said ESPN SEC bias. Huh. Like, how does that even fit in? And one of the one of the guys at the rally. What what's wrong with that? Real quick, you think ESPN likes there being a national championship between two SEC schools? 
Oh yeah, that, that's a regional. A- any, that's a re- anybody. That's a regional final. You're not getting nationwide audiences in on that. Like yeah, football fans are going to be in on that, but you get a perennial powerhouse like Ohio State, one of these classic teams other than Alabama. You get a lot more viewership in that national final. ESPN is not rooting for an SEC versus SEC final. Well, Trust me. Look at the playoff last year: Clemson, Southeast, Alabama, Southeast, Georgia, Southeast, and then Oklahoma, Midwest. They yeah. didn't like that. No, you want you want to mix. You want to get yeah. that West Coast audience. You want to get that Midwest audience. Mm-hmm. That's that's what happens with ratings and people saying SEC bias. They don't know what they're talking. They don't know how media works. Yeah, and I remember a, it was a huge deal when the the news broke. ESPN had it third on their list as far as top headlines. So they don't want the that want it to get out. No. So you can't blame ESPN. You you can't do that. Now, do you think? I mean, you kind of said this, but do you think Ohio State is really going to do anything? Because here's my my thought: in if this was any lesser name, he'd be gone. Yeah. Since it's Urban yep. Meyer, he's won national championships. He's not going anywhere. And two, if they were to fire him, throw that team into shambles, well, now all of a sudden you got Harbaugh. In Michigan, ready to kind of take power in that conference. Before Harbaugh, Harbaugh got there, there wasn't really any competition. You might be able to kind of buy a couple years to get your program up and running again. I think the minute that goes down, if they fired Urban, all of a sudden Harbaugh's recruiting just got a lot easier. Yeah, so you have a huge name, Urban Meyer. But you also have, I mean, you could probably say top five as far as collegiate programs. Ohio State is up there as far as just the name. But you look at Jim Tressel. Couple years, couple years back, he won them a national title, and he got fired for a tattoo scandal. Yeah. So you, so look, look you're back, saying this guy keeps looking his back job, on that now. That's so how, stupid. Yeah, how minuscule it really is. But it was a huge deal then. But they got rid of him for a tattoo scandal. I give you a helmet for a free tattoo. <laughs> I think the only the only thing they can do is fire him. But in my heart of hearts, what I really think is going to happen is they have this committee, and in two weeks from now, they're going to say. Urban really didn't know. We don't have proof that he did know. Yeah. And you just kind of go. I think that's I but I, think, I agree. It'll be the burden of proof. Yeah. And it's gonna be one of those things that you're gonna have to have so much uh societal outcry towards it. Because when it comes down to it, when there's hundred and five thousand people in the horseshoe at Ohio State on September first, their first game. They're not going to care about that. You know what's going to be brutal, though? That road schedule, all of a sudden, every sign you see Mm -hmm. held up on the road is going to be something about Fire Urban or Urban New. Like, that road schedule. It's going to be everywhere. Road fans are going to tear him up. Yeah. I mean, it's already a huge game, too, when Ohio State comes to your stadium. Yeah. But now add this. Oh, yeah. it's, It's going to be nasty. It really is. But... I know it went kind of long. Just to wrap it up, Urban just stepped down. Ohio State just do like bite the bullet, like just fire him, get rid of it, because that's the best thing you could do. You fire him, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like Urban Meyer just kind of you part, like part ways with the guy. You're all right. Now, last thing, kind of not lighten the mood, but another Urban Meyer story. I want to hear you on. Do you think he really had some health issues where he had to step down from Florida like that? Nope. 
I do not believe that. I think he knew it was getting bad. He knew his team wasn't doing much. I mean, so he had heart issues, but what, six, seven months later, he's taking Ohio State job? I don't believe it. I think he tried to get out. And that's just another shady part of exactly. Urban Meyer that's, as a coach. To me, before this, that was the shadiest part to me is, oh, Urban has health issues. He needs to step down. Everything I was hearing at the time, I mean, us being in Atlanta was his daughter was playing volleyball at Georgia Tech. And Urban just kind of was around a lot. He was at a lot of matches. I think he wanted to, and nothing was wrong with that, but the way he stepped down to get out of there quick. And, I mean, they said he was at Georgia Tech all the time watching volleyball matches. And then, yeah, all of a sudden that Ohio State job comes on. Boom. But people people give him a pardon because that's his dream job. And that's the job he's always wanted. So, people kind of let that slide. Yeah. But I just wanted to get your take on that. So yeah, I, I definitely you know he he wasn't he had no health <laughs> issues. All right. Well, that was a very good hangover of the week because that story I think makes everybody a little sick. So mine's a little lighter. Not going to go as long. Not going to be as serious. But just something that I think rounds out this person's career pretty perfectly. My hangover of the week is hearing about this Hall of Fame induction and the circus that Terrell Owens made it to be. And now I know some of you might hear this and say, hey, T.O. is the man. Let him do what he wants. And I got no problem with that. If you don't want to go to the ceremony, that is fine. Like, no issue with that at all. I, I really don't have any thoughts on that. Like, you don't want to go to the ceremony. Cool. But here's T.O. He's been crying to the media every year about how he's not getting voted in, not getting voted in. He thought he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. And then here, all of a sudden, like that's his dream. That's why you play the game, right? You want to be in Canton, Ohio one day, mm-hmm. immortalized. Well, T.O. finally got the honor. Like I said, every year he's been complaining, why am I not in the Hall of Fame? I should be on there. He finally got the honor of being on there. And what does he do? He throws a hissy fit and decides to hold his Hall of Fame induction at his alma mater in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Again, anybody else, I'd be like, okay, that's kind of a cool move. I mean, you want to maybe make it a little local, make it tied to the community. That's not why he did this. T.O. did this to make it about T.O. Again, you go to the Hall of Fame he could have been there against other greats, you know, Brian Dawkins, Randy Moss, Erlacher. Like these, what I loved about this Hall of Fame class is these are the guys I grew up watching yeah, same in football. Here. These yeah. weren't, not to say a bunch of old guys, because I mean, <laughs> you still get in, that's fine. But this was one of the first classes where almost across the board, it's like when I was in elementary school, middle school, even a little high school, I'm watching these guys. Like I used to think, okay, Erlacher plays the game hard. We all grew up with Randy Moss. I mean, I don't know he has, how he has he's, a verb. He yeah, you got mossed. Like <laughs> I grew up with that. I I didn't realize he was that young when that was a verb, but you got mossed. Like we all grew up with that playing football in the yard. So, to see these guys getting in and kind of the first class where not the first class, but the first class where the majority of the guys getting in are guys that we grew up watching. 
T.O. really could have cemented his legacy being a part of that. Granted, he wasn't first ballot like he wanted to be. And T.O. always says, hey, I'm not a diva. I'm just, I'm real passionate. Like, people just don't get me. Well, here's your chance to go to Canton, have a little humility, make it an honor. If you want to make a little statement, sure, do what you want to do. Randy Moss made a little statement. I mean, I don't know if you saw that. He had a tie of some yeah. victims of uh, like police violence and whatever. Like, that is fine. But T.O. made this whole thing about himself. He didn't go to Chattanooga to honor where he comes from. He went to Chattanooga to honor himself, if that makes sense. He wanted to go down there and basically create a big circus of, hey, I'm T.O., I don't need to be up there. Which, again, then why have you been complaining that you're not making it in the Hall of Fame? And when you finally do, you're almost protesting it. I don't get it, and I think... It's the perfect ending to T.O. has been a diva his whole career. I'm not saying he, like, T.O. is still one of the best receivers I've seen. I mean, he was exciting. He was what he was. Like, I'm not taking any of that away from him. Don't mistake it. Kind of like my takes on LeBron. Like, I'm not dissing the talent at all. T.O. was a beast. But he was still that guy in the locker room that made it about him. And this is exactly what he did here. Everybody else went into that Hall of Fame ceremony you get your chance to have your speech, but it's a an honor for that group, for that class. And T.O. still made it about T.O. down Chattanooga. I don't think he did it classy at all. I don't think he did it for the right reasons having it in Chattanooga. Like I said, I could see you having it somewhere else to make it about your community. It'd still be kind of weird, but I could see it ha- working in the right situation. But I think if you make it to the Hall of Fame... Go to the Hall of Fame induction, man. Like, that's that's an honor. If I made it to the Hall of Fame in anything, I would go to the induction. And here you are making it about poor me. I'm a victim. They've been keeping me out. And he really just went down there to be the big fish in a little pond, I think. Because he knew if he went to the Hall of Fame induction, he would have been standing next to these other greats. And it wouldn't just been all about T.O. In Chattanooga, Tennessee... Yeah, mm-hmm. it was all about T.O. the other night. So, congrats, T.O. You made it about you. And to me, you really just kind of cemented cemented your legacy. Like, you could have gone there and you could have gone to Canton, Ohio, had a classy speech, said, I'm honored to be here. And even just that would make us look at you a little different. Say, okay, T.O., he's matured. He's, he's part of the brotherhood. Doing what he did the other night just made him segregate himself from the rest of his class. So, I'm not a fan of it, to be honest with you. I think everybody else did great. I think this was a really cool Hall of Fame class. Like I said, I loved it because it was all these guys that I got to grow up watching and I was a fan of growing up. I, I mean, you could say the same. Like, yeah. the, like these are guys that we, we saw. Know. I mean. Yeah. Held to me, the Bears haven't been relevant since Erlacher left. Yeah. Like for real, and that I mean that was always the the thought. Like Erlacher's your prototypical linebacker, Randy Moss is your prototypical right wide receiver. I will say this: they had a uh, D'Angelo Hall on the other day, I think on the herd, and he said he said, "Man, Moss, everybody knows him for the long ball." And this is kind of off topic, but it just mm-hmm. popped in my head because I was a D'Angelo Hall fan too because he was on the Falcons. 
he said Randy Moss wasn't just about the long ball. He said he's one of the few who could catch the long ball, but he could he ran his routes so perfect. He he ran every single route on that route tree, not just going deep. Yeah. So this was a very good class to be a part of. I think T.O. shot himself in the foot trying to make it about him. So I'm not a fan. I'm kind of sick of it. And then another thing that came out today that's making me even more sick of this story. It's blowing up even more after the fact. Now, all of a sudden, because of the big circus T.O. created, the NFL, of course, being the NFL, is now throwing around the idea of making it a rule that if you're getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, you have to be at the induction ceremony. And this is just purely because of T.O. doing what he did. And I don't agree with that either. I think the NFL is overstepping themselves. If you don't want to be there, you don't have to be there. But, you know, the NFL doesn't want any kind of individuality. So this story is just like making me sicker and sicker. T.O. made me sick. Now the NFL's made me sick. I don't know who I'm a fan of. I don't support the management. I don't support T.O. Whatever. I support the other guys that got inducted the other night. And that is my hangover of the week. You got anything to add? I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head as far as Terrell Owens. He made it about himself, but that's what he's always done his whole career. Yeah, but shout out to to the people that made it. Yeah, because yeah. it's people that we watch. And to be fair, I will say this. Like, Moss had a rocky career at first. He wasn't the most liked guy. He was... He was never as bad as T.O. in terms of being the diva, but he definitely had a little bit of that to him to where he bounced around a little bit. He grew up. He grew up, and probably the most surprising part to me is he gave a shout-out to Bill Belichick. As much as I hate Bill Belichick, I will say the one thing he does is what Randy Moss said in his speech. He said Bill Belichick, because obviously Randy Moss was on the Patriots a little later in his career, but it was one of his best years. Well, I mean, he set I mean, a record for yeah, touchdowns in a year. Exactly. That team was sick. And Randy Moss said, Bill, you made me come in every day and work harder and harder and make sure I was being the best me every single day, which it's easy that late in your career to kind of – a lot of teams will let you come in and kind of play the veteran card and take it a little easy. Now, Bill Belichick made him come in and bust it every single day, and it showed – and like you said, he grew up. He's he's what T.O. could have been. So, And it's a crazy thing to think about if Randy Moss had necessarily grown up earlier in his career, you could easily say Randy Moss was the greatest wide receiver of all time. Oh, yeah. And I he's think, up there with Jerry Rice. I think that's the only thing that puts Jerry Rice above him is Jerry Rice, I think, he got it from day one. Jerry yeah. Rice knew how to be a professional, and I think that's what set him apart from Moss. But... Moss had it, and he he's still one of the greatest of all time. There's no yeah, arguing that. And like I said, T.O.'s one of the greatest of all time. I'm not arguing that at all. But you look at him, there's some stains on his career, and this just kind of was the cherry on top. Well, for T.O. too, like, dude, eight people get in a year. Like, calm down. I mean, you're great, but you're not one of the greatest, so you're not going to make first ballot. Like, that just doesn't happen. So, I don't know. I'm glad he's got in now, so maybe he'll go away. That that was exactly what I thought. I said, okay, T.O.'s in. He made it about himself. He's just going to f- fade into the sunset now. You see, the day after his uh, induction speech, 
he was working out for a CFL team. Yeah, I saw that. So on some high school field against, he's, he's gonna go play with Johnny Manziel. Yeah, but <laughs> he won't get the ball because Manziel threw four interceptions. <laughs> I tried to watch some of that game too, and I was like, man, this I I can't. Man, me and my dad we turned it on in the fourth quarter, and Manziel's team was down like seven to forty. Oh yeah, it got ugly quick. So, but that's that's another story for another day. So that is the hangover of the week okay so moving on NBA free agencies kind of died out not really talking about that too much anymore like I said earlier we're about five weeks out from the NFL season starting um, preseason starts here this what, week n- this week well the Hall of Fame game was last week Hall of Fame game was yeah. last week and then this week starts preseason me personally, I'm not a huge fan of preseason because I don't ever take it to heart. I mean, it, I, it's, it's to figure out their roster. So cut it down to two games, NFL. I mean, I get why they do it. Like <laughs> you, you got to make the cuts. Yeah, I, I get why too, but cut it down to two. Games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, anyways, I don't take preseason that seriously. I don't necessarily get super into it. You know, like I'll be, oh, do you do you watch the whole Falcons game? Not really, because I don't care about our third string special teams getting a shot. Hey, granted, I hope they make the cut, but I'm not really going to sit there and watch it for two quarters. Now, when it gets to that game where it's a little more of the starters, yeah, I'll watch the first half. I want to see how everybody's looking, but also knowing, one, they're not going 100%. I mean, realistically, starters aren't going 100%. And two, the coordinators aren't trying to show everything there in the preseason. So it's still exciting because it means football is right around the corner. With that being said, we're just going to spend a little bit. We want to kind of briefly preview what's going on coming into the NFL season. And of course, NFL season starting, you know, that means college football starting as well, which we differ a little bit. And you got, (laughs) you guys will hear us argue a little more going into the season, but KK, he's the college football guy. That's what he lives for. Hey, I'm a big college football fan, but I'm more of an NFL guy. That's what I live for. Granted, not the biggest fan of the NFL management these days, but I still love NFL football. So, that being said, I'm going to let KK kick it off. KK, what are you just kind of seeing going into this college football season? Well, first off, as you guys know, this is a homer program, Georgia Bulldogs, Go Dogs. Go Dogs! <laughs> 25 days till kickoff against Austin P. We got a little cupcake before our week two game against South Carolina. Now, I will say that's the only other thing about college football that drives me nuts is I usually don't get too into it until about a couple weeks in because everybody's got their cupcake games I mean, early there, on. There's some great games, though, that week one. College football has gotten better as far as getting rid of the cupcakes. I will give them that. You got Washington and Auburn in game one. That's going to be fun. That's you got a good L- one. LSU and Miami. That's going to be fun. Our boy Mark Rick. Okay. Yeah, that'll be good. But yeah, that, that's there all. There you we go. Want. Starting to get me excited. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, let me go back to what Evan said. Like, I still love NFL. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I still sit down on Sundays and watch all the games and whoop, whoop, But yeah, I am more of a college football guy. I try to pay attention to the recruits and all that. So. Bring me to the recruits. Our UGA dogs had the number one recruiting class for their their first time ever. Kirby Smart 
is doing something right. He, he he's doing it all right. So we got the number one recruiting class that are coming in. As far as freshmen this year, I don't see much impact. As far as the freshmen, I know we got the number one overall overall rated player, Justin Fields, which we saw him in person mm-hmm. at G-Day. He looked like a beast. I think he will get playing time. I think there will be packages for him, kind of some wildcat. Just add another fundamental I think to the offense. I agree. There's probably going to be some wildcat. Hell, they might throw him in just to throw the defense off a little bit, even yeah. in a regular formation. That's, that's all he's for. And then, of course, there's going to be those games where, you know, hopefully we do run away with it a little bit. And Kirby Smart will probably let him get some playing time just to get that experience in. So Kirby's just – he's doing work on the recruiting trail. So we have this number one ready class come in. So talk about 2019 recruiting class. Two weeks ago, we were 16th as far as 2019. Now, granted, it's really, really early. But last Sunday, we got three recruits, and we moved from 16th to number three in the nation. We got a five-star running back, which yeah. – we just keep getting five star running backs. Oh yeah, we we stay with the running backs. Did, I think Georgia is officially running back. You, I mean, I remember like when Swift committed. Swift might have had the coolest commitment video of all time, but yeah, like you said, it just seems like every year we get at least one five star just coming in and yeah. making this big announcement. And it is getting to that point; it's almost expected. But to be honest, I mean, even since. We were probably middle school, high school. Like, Georgia's had Always great had running, running backs. backs. That's true. And, that, yeah, that's not really the, oh, it's a Kirby Smart thing. It's yeah. Georgia's always had great running backs. I mean, no Sean. Like, and even our running backs that uh, ended up getting kicked off the teams <laughs> are still great great running backs. Yeah, and Isaiah Crowell. Our every, boy, he's in the NFL every, still. Every day. <laughs> there, there was about two, three years. Every day I'd see Isaiah Crowell's stats at the bottom of the ticker watching NFL games, and it hurt just a little bit. Yeah, I'm and you're like, like, man, this guy's still in the league? Man, he was he was a dog for a little bit. Yeah, he was. He was good, too. Granted, he did the wrong stuff. and Mark like, Rick didn't like play said, that. Mark, Mark Rick didn't play that, even though this guy was the NFL talent. Yeah. So we got that five-star running back. We got a four-star linebacker. We got a four-star receiver. LSU's cannot be too happy yep we went and got a four-star linebacker and four-star wide receiver from louisiana and that's one of those things we're coming into louisiana we're coming to lsu territory and we're taking some of the best players from your state i love it and that oh yeah you gotta tell me twice and as long as we protect our state which kirby smart is doing an incredible job of one that mark rick what he wasn't able to do a great job with because look at alabama auburn tennessee South Carolina, well, this, Florida. This has they come to, be, to Georgia. This has SEC. Again, people are gonna say SEC bias, and I do think SEC is the best. Yep. Conference, but granted, the last couple of years, I mean, ACC has been really good. There's been contenders, but man, you look at SEC recruiting. That talent pool is ridiculous. Yeah. If if it just went off talent, you would have maybe like five relevant teams. You would have USC and Texas. You'd have Georgia and Florida, yeah. maybe Miami. And, that, and that's as what far they, as recruiting in one state. Yeah, that's what they say. The the strongest states, yeah, where the best are. high schools are. California just has like great prep programs that get people. I feel like you get a lot of these NFL quarterbacks that go to these great programs and learn how to be a pocket passer. Then you got Tennessee, well, not Tennessee, Texas, or Texas. I mean, football is just God in Texas and then 
yeah, Georgia, Florida, Florida, you get some crazy speed out of Florida and Georgia. You just, for whatever reason, you have great quarterbacks, great running backs, and then just huge defensive players coming out of Georgia. And that's by far the four best, four best players as far as recruits. But look at the population wise. Georgia's in the top four, but they're only they're only number four because California, big huge state. Yeah. Texas, huge state population wise. Florida, relatively same size as Georgia, but got a lot more population than we do. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's something in the water down here. We just got athletes. Uh, you know what I think it is? I think it's once you get rural. Of course, every state's got its its rural areas, but man, there's nothing else to do. Football. They don't. They don't play. Like, look at the Midwest. Those rural areas, they play basketball. And that's why yeah. those schools, the Kansas, the Oklahoma's, Oklahoma State, and all those schools in that rural area. To me, Kentucky still basketball. counts. Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky. Kentucky's not the South. Don't let them fool you. Yeah. All those schools are great at basketball. It's just kind of, it's, every sport kind of has that. Midwest is known for basketball, and especially the, the Northeast, mm-hmm. known for basketball. I will say, you know what produces some good players that is surprising? The Pacific Northwest, yeah, I mean, because you like we talk about like the South is kind of that that nitty gritty tough football. You have a couple of those Midwest states where it's just farm fed, like bull, like farm yeah. boys just do nothing but moving hay. But Pacific Northwest, for whatever reason, they they have a pretty good region too. Yeah, Oregon does a great job up there as far as recruiting. Oh yeah, and like we said, I mean Washington's really stepped it up. Yep. So looking forward to this season. Looking at the Jordan, like looking at UGA right now, I think this is the by far the most talented talented team UGA has ever had. Ever had. I kind of got to argue you there. And the only reason I say that, I'm not too far off. I think this team is great. I mean, we we're returning a lot of guys from last year. I mean, we're a young team, to be honest with you. We got some serious talent coming back who now have not just NCAA playoff experience but national championship experience. You get that out of your system, like I was just talking about with the Braves. Going forward, it's nothing new. So I think that is great. But, man, that Stafford and Sean Marino team, I think that you got to put that right up there as well. I agree. We had great talent. With them too, but you also got to look at what they were able to accomplish on the field. Oh yeah, Which, even with this team. I mean, I say they're the most talented, but we still got to see what they do on the field. So, so but you know the the best thing about it, which I say this time and time again, we get to watch, we get to see what what these guys are going to do. Oh yeah. So I I think coming into this year, Georgia has to be the SEC East favorite, no doubt. I don't even know who's who's coming close. To that, I mean, do you even have a contender? South Carolina. South Carolina. We got we got to go to South Carolina in week two. I'm worried about that game. I will say, as a fan, I am terrified of that game. I I've always hated playing them week two. I always have, and I know we spent about three or four years. We started playing them later in the season, but now we're playing them game two again. I am terrified of that game because Williams Bryce Stadium gets crazy when they start playing Sandman. That is crazy. Yeah. So, So, I I agree with you there, but 
I agree that's going to be a tough game in terms of, you know, coming out of that week one game. Okay, boys, now it's time to, to really step it up. But in terms of contender for SEC East, I see South Carolina losing more games than we will. So I still think it's runaway. Georgia wins SEC East. We got to go to LSU this year, too. We got to go to Death Valley. That's going to be tough. That's going to be no tough. No matter how good LSU is, it's still going to be tough. But I agree. I'm at the point now with this team, if we don't reach Mercedes-Benz for the championship game, SEC championship game, it's a it's a, exactly. a letdown. Exactly. Disappointing season. Now, Which is great to say as far as Georgia fan. Like that's where your expectations yeah, are. Yeah, that's at. our expectations. And, I mean, again, I think Kirby Smart's putting that expectation on the players too. And, like you said, I think this is the team to do it. Now, not spend the whole show about Georgia going to SEC West, do you think Alabama's coming out? Because, you know, I mean, Alabama was not in the, like, Alabama, there was definitely some controversy going into the playoffs. Oh, should they even be here? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, they showed why they should be there, but we won't go into that. But they got a huge issue on their hands. They got a quarterback issue. They do. And when when has ev- when has Alabama ever had a like gunslinger at quarterback? And that's the scary ever. thing to me is Nick Saban has never had that. Yeah, Nick Saban's never had a great quarterback. Never. He's had game managers. Like even, Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron. Yeah. They've all been game managers. Because I mean, I used to love like I mean the classic game, AJ McCarron. Aaron Murray. I still think Aaron Murray is a better quarterback. Now, I know we're going back a little bit. We're not talking about next season, but <laughs> AJ McCarron, Nick Saban has always had system quarterbacks. He's yep, always had exactly. guys who can make the right play, not take chances. But at the same time, that's exactly what was killing them in the first half of the national championship was having a guy who came in and did not take chances and could just make the right play and not necessarily the, the winning play. And all credit to Nick Saban for making that call because that was the ballsiest move I've ever seen. I remember we were talking about it. Yeah. Either either he'll look like a fool or he'll look like the smartest coach ever. And And, unfortunately, he looked like the smartest coach ever. But when they brought Tua in in that national championship game, because I mean, I I keep up with it. I know I hear stuff. Yeah, I had no clue who it was. You knew exactly who. Yeah. Well, for one, he's from Hawaii, the motherland. So, (laughs) but. All reports I had heard is he's a gunslinger. He's not afraid to throw it. So when he brought him in, I knew then. I was like, okay, it's a different game. And we saw that. Second play, of the, I think his second play that he was in, he throws it 30 yards deep. It wasn't completed, but it shows as a Georgia secondary, he's like, okay, this motherfucker ain't scared to throw. Like, he ain't scared to throw. So yeah. It, it changed things, and it did. So elaborate a little bit on this quarterback controversy they have going on now. Okay. so Because we were all told Jalen Hurts, his dad said he's about to be the biggest free agent ever. He's going somewhere else. Yeah. and Well, I think he needs to get his transfer papers ready because he's not going to win that starting quarterback. But job. his dad came out and said that in... Yeah, that was like April or what, something. like March, April? Yeah, that's a long time ago. Here we are in August where we're ramping up for the season. Jalen Hurts is still on that roster. So and, what what do you see going on there? And so that brings us up to what Jalen Hurts said over the weekend. He said he doesn't 
you know, coaches have asked how he feels about it and what he thinks, how it should be done. But Jalen Hurts, like, there comes to a point, like, you're getting, yeah, Jalen Hurts is 21-2 and two as a starter. He's a winning quarterback. He gets the job done, right? So, but Alabama, Alabama, I think Nick Saban knows he was, they were getting dominated in the national championship game. Were they not? They by, were. By our dogs. Yeah, that first half. And that's why he went to, look, dude, we got to do something else. So that's why he put in this new quarterback. Nick Saban is stupid if he lets Jalen Hurts start, if he names him the starter. I, I'm at the, I'm at this point. Whoever starts and whoever has become second string, that second string is transferred. It's gone. Tua came out and said, like, yeah, before the national championship game, he kind of told himself, told his family, like, hey, I'm transferring if I don't get a chance. Like he is. Because I think, and you brought up pre-shows, like, as Tua, in Tua's perspective, like, dude, you're a freshman, like, putting in your time. But I think Tua was beating him week in, week out at practice. Probably. So as a player, you see this, like, dude, I'm better than this guy, and you're not giving me a chance. But also, you brought up, too, coaches are, hey, it's working. Why mess up the rhythm? Look at Jake Fromm and Jacob Beeson. Jake, Jake Fromm comes in. We start winning. Why mess that up? And I agree with you. That's It's one of those things where, okay, you're rolling. I mean, we've, both, we've all played sports. You don't want to mess up the chemistry that's going on when it comes to game day. So, like you said, yeah, Jalen Hurts was rolling. Even if he's getting beat in practice, you're not going to pull your starting quarterback in the middle of of the season just because he got beat in practice. Same thing, like we said, Easton got hurt. Jake Fromm came in. We knew he was going to be good. I don't think any of us expected him to carry us the way he did. And Fromm just started rolling. And it's one of those things. Kirby Smart had the smarts to... Kirby Smart had the smarts (laughs) to realize you don't mess up the chemistry that's going on on the field. Because we... I mean, you and me both know game day chemistry is a lot different than what's going on in practice. So when he sees, okay, Jake Fromm is getting the guys in a good rhythm, they're rolling, yeah, you can switch out and practice all you want. But these guys rolled last Saturday, you're basically taking that same rhythm into the next Saturday. So, I mean, I agree. Like, Nick Saban had no reason to switch Jalen Hurts. There was no alarming bells okay we need to pull him out until halftime of that national championship game so Mm -hmm. i definitely agree with you that whoever is not starting is probably going to transfer but then of course hurts will have to sit out a year and i feel like he should have made this call back in march april when his dad was coming out saying all this stuff and i think to be honest i think his stock was probably higher back then okay you got pulled out for half a game in the national championship it's not a good look but okay versus coming into this season oh well you're not the starter yeah he's Jalen Hurts is going to get a scholarship somewhere if he's not the starter but at the same time you don't think programs are going to look at him a little different saying okay well Tua is coming into the season starting over you I mean granted not every program has a great quarterback to to go on, but I think his stock would have been higher back in April to start looking for other schools. I'm I'm honestly shocked he's still on Alabama 
with the way they were talking four or five months ago. Well, I think he can. I think he thinks that he can win the starting job. And you brought up about sitting out for a year. NCAA has been really lenient on these new transfer rules, as far as a lot of players are getting somewhat granted a, a free release to start or play whenever they want to. They're being really lenient on that, and that brings me to. <laughs> back to Curry Smart and his recruiting. We just got a five-star receiver from University of California. He's from Savannah. So he just transferred in, and we're praying that he gets re- he gets released to have to be able to play this year because we had an Ohio State lineman transferred to Duke. He was able to play this year. He just transferred. So they're being – and yeah. we had two receivers from Ole Miss transferred to University of Florida they were released to play this year. So they're, I think they're trying to be more lenient and not as far as, um, what can I say? Uh, Eligibility. I mean, yeah, they're being more lenient on that, but not make it such a, a backlash. Yeah. As far as them transferring. Now, you know, cause Alabama will have to release him again. It's a college program, but that's the, that's what they'll have to do. You know Saban's not going to let him go anywhere in the SEC. Yeah, we'll have I mean, to look somewhere yeah, Saban, t- Saban will say that. Like, yeah, you ain't going nowhere in the SEC. Yeah. But Jalen Hurts, he's 21-2. and two. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I never thought he was, but even before National He'll still find a job somewhere. Yeah, yeah he'll if he easily find a job. If he is you know where he's going to go, right? Where? He's going to go to with Lane Kiffin at Florida Atlantic. Have fun down there. <laughs> have fun. No, but yeah, like you said, like he'll easily find a job. Now... Kind of like I said with Georgia, we're looking at Alabama as the SEC West. Do you see any other contender in the SEC West? Because I'll just kind of preface it. I don't see any other contender. I think Alabama is clearly the favorite. But, man, I still think it's like no matter what, Auburn has their number. And I I love it. Like, I know a lot of people hate Auburn. I'm not a huge fan of the I, program. I hate Auburn. Like, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the program at all, but I've had some good times in Auburn. I've had some friends go to Auburn. I don't have necessarily have the hate for them that I have for some of these other schools in the SEC. And to be honest, I just kind of like that they they don't hold back when it comes to Alabama. Even if they're not rocking and rolling, Alabama always has the, the chance to lose. So in the SEC West, do you see any other actual contender, or do you just see some games Alabama might lose? I see. I do see Auburn as a contender. Okay, I do. They got Jared Sidham coming back. I think he's a good quarterback. He's dangerous, and you got, of course, Gus Malzahn just signed yeah. a seven-year extension after the SEC championship game loss to University of Georgia. But but a uh, shout out to Sky Bar in <laughs> Auburn as well. A sleeper team. I want you to think about. They're not going to win the SEC West. They won't. But Mississippi State. I think they'll. I think they're going to make some noise this year. They just got a new coach. Moorhead from Penn State. I think they'll be pretty decent. But yeah, as far as that, if, you look, I, if you look at the SEC honest, right now, to be honest, I would not mind seeing it. Mississippi State do great. Oh, I, me neither. I, I liked them when Dak was there. Yeah, like they were a fun team. Hell, they were, dude. Mississippi State was number one in the country for like three weeks. Yeah, and I, I've got no ill will towards Mississippi State. I think they're a fine school, fine program. That would be amazing to see them kind of step up and really make a run for it. I, I totally agree. But looking at it on paper, it's easily 
easily should be Georgia and Alabama and the SEC championship. Okay. And I agree with you there. So, outside of the SEC, I mean, obviously this has been a very SEC-heavy program. Outside the SEC, what schools do you see making noise? I mean, in any, like, do you see one of the perennial powers having a really good year? Or do you see another school stepping up, like Eason going to Washington? Do you see them making a leap? What schools outside the SEC do you think are really going to, you know, make that run, make the national highlights every week to where we're talking about, okay, this team might make the playoffs? Well, for number one, as far as outside SEC, it's got to be Clemson and what Dabo Sweeney's doing up there. Yeah, that's... From all reports I've heard, Trevor Lawrence, a local boy, went to Cartersville High School. Yeah. He's one, making strides. He's going to beat out, Yeah. oh, whatever the quarterback's name is, Bryant. One of our old uh, high school teachers, she, she taught Trevor Lawrence. She's always posting on Facebook about how good a guy he is. Like, she knew him well. Like, I'm going to admit, like, I'm not rooting against the kid. I'd like to see him go up there and do well. This sounds really stupid. I'm not a fan of Clemson fans, but man, like Dabo, what he's done, I, I respect what he's doing. Oh, Everything yeah. I've heard is he's a good guy, kind of, kind of a la Mark Rick. Like he's running it the right way. It's hard to hate on the Clemson program overall. So I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I think they're definitely one of the strongest ACC teams, if not the strongest ACC team going into the season. What else? You said Jacob Eason, too. I, I think Washington will have a great year. They got Jake Browning coming back, which, look, two years ago, they were in the playoff. They were playing in Atlanta against Alabama. Yeah, I think they'll be very good. They got both their running backs coming back. I also think a team you're pr- probably not thinking of, Penn State. All this Ohio State mess going on, Penn State, they had a solid team last year. Granted, they lost Saquon Barley, Saquon Barkley, but they got Trace McSorley, their quarterback, coming back. I think they'll have a good year, too. I'll say I'm shocked with how quickly Penn State was able to rebound. Granted, it's been, let's see, I mean, it's probably been about five, six, seven years. Yeah, I think it's been six. That was our sophomore year. Your sophomore year, yeah, my junior year. Yeah, So it's been a while, but still, to come back from something like that and be as strong as they are, I mean, I give them props. I think they've come back about as well as you can hope for. Yeah, Bill O'Brien kind of stepped in. He kind of took blunt the blunt of the force as far as first one in after Joe Paterno and whoop whoop But now James Fra- Franklin coming in from Vanderbilt, he's done a great job. Overall, man, college football, ain't a, it ain't nothing better. It starts at 12 yeah. o'clock on Saturday. It'll end to about midnight, hey, just tw- drinking all day, enjoying the game. 12 o'clock if you, see, if you sleep late, game day starts at 9. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm up at 9. Watching game days, seeing all the latest stories. I, I can't wait for it. 25 so, more days, man. So, real quickly, and we'll get into more detail as the season progresses. Yeah, this is our teaser. Yeah, but... All right, I'll hold off a couple weeks. I'm going to ask this man... Uh, I'll put the question out there. I don't want you answering yet. Because we're, we're both going to pick here, right before week one, who our four playoff teams are. Okay. All right. So, go ahead start start sleeping on that. I will say 
I was not a fan of the BCS system. The playoff committee, committee I thought, had their flaws. And I'll be the first one to say, I don't think Alabama should have been in it last year. To not make your conference championship and still get in the playoffs, I thought was, to be honest, I mean, I thought it was a load of crap. I thought, oh, they're just getting in on pedigree. Yeah. But Alabama won the national championship. I cannot take that away from them. So, playoff committee, I'm, like, we're going to still be criticizing them at the end of the season. But each year, I think it does get better. As much criticism as they got last year, it, it's just fun to hate on them. Everybody's got their own opinion. But look, they put Alabama in there, and that was national championship. So, I'm excited. I personally, I love the playoff committee more. I like having the playoffs. We came from Georgia Southern, where when we were Double A, you did have the playoffs every year, and to me, that was way more exciting. So I do love the playoff system. I'm a big proponent of that. So just be ready. Start start thinking. Week one, and me and uh, KK, we're gonna have a little competition going for the football season. I've uh, I've yet to to put it on him, but before the season, we're gonna come up with some brackets. Oh yeah, that sounds and, good. And uh, basically, you have to pick your your team winning, your SEC team winning, and you cannot pick the same team twice in the whole season. Okay, if that makes sense. So basically, yeah, it's, it's like a helmet bracket where you pretty much you 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 pick your. You're like 100% confidence level. Exactly, but you cannot pick the same team twice in the season. Yeah, so, I got you. So we're we're trust me, we're gonna have a little competition going on there. We'll uh, there will be something on the line, but that is our uh, our preview of the. Well, not even our preview, just our our get excited about the college football season. So, moving on from the college football season, but I just want to touch real quickly on a high level of what's going on going into this preseason with the NFL and what we see going into the NFL regular season. Now, going into this NFL season, again, I love the NFL. Like KK said, he watches NFL all day Sunday. I mean, it's not like he doesn't like the NFL. He's got his favorite team. Still a huge fan. My argument has always been you got the best players on the field. So, again, we will get into this more as the season comes, but I've always been more of an NFL guy. I grew up playing Madden and NFL 2K. If you're really old school, KK was Mr. NCAA football. <laughs> we touched on that the other week. Bring obviously, it ba- bring it back. Obviously, you can't play that anymore. So, jumping into the NFL season, again, we started NCAA with Georgia. I'm going to touch on the Falcons real quick. Um, Falcons, man, I think we're looking good. We got Julio back. We finally got all that mess settled. You've heard us talk about it the last few weeks. Um, Julio's officially back on the team. Basically what happened is Falcons agreed to give him, was it, $2 million? They They basically agreed to pay him a couple million for this year, basically increase this year's pay with an agreement to renegotiate after the season going into next year, which I'm fine with. I really, 
Some people say you can't do that. Julio should just stick to his contract. Some people are saying pay the man everything he wants. I was kind of in that field. To be honest, with this solution, I'm completely fine with it. I have no ill feelings towards either side. I think Julio got an extra couple million. That's fine because nothing in the NFL is guaranteed. Falcons handled it gracefully. Okay, they came to an agreement. They didn't shame Julio. And we'll look into it next year. But this year, we're so close to the season. Let's go ahead and get everything figured out. Um, And we just now, we're finally starting to re-sign some other contracts, to be honest. I think Falcons probably wanted to have taken care of before now. But with the whole Julio ordeal, they really had to focus on that. So we just signed, re-signed Alford, who, from what they say, is basically the quarterback of our defense. So we're, we're finally making some other signings, you know, locking some players in. This team is built very similar to those Seattle Seahawks teams where we're loading up on defense. We have a lot of young players, but a lot of really good talent who have proven themselves. But we are getting to that point where we're re-signing some guys where it looks like we might actually be able to keep this team together here for a few years. So, that being said, man, you look at, at our roster, right? Matt Ryan, quarterback. Freeman in the backfield. Coleman in the backfield. We still have that double-headed monster. I know Coleman at some point is going to go and get his money, and I don't blame him. But I love having him as an option in the backfield while we can. Freeman, Coleman, two versatile running backs, two very different styles that the defense has to plan for. Julio, Sanu at receivers. We also got Calvin Ridley coming in. And who better to learn from for him other than Julio and Sanu? I mean, that's two veterans in this league who are at the top of their game and know how the game is played in this league. Then you're looking on defense. You got uh, Keon O'Neal, like I said, Alfred, Vic Beasley. Deion Jones. Deion Jones. Like, I think this roster is legit. I mean, I don't see any holes in this roster. There's There's been some years where maybe our line's not strong enough or our defense isn't strong enough. I think Dan Quinn has built this team like those Seattle teams. He's built this defense up, but our offense has way more firepower than any of those teams ever had. I mean, what do you think? I mean, looking at this roster... You guys got it all. Atlanta has it all to win as long as they take care of business. Dan Quinn has done a great job drafting this defense. Him and Thomas Dimitrov, they've really done their research. And you're getting to a point where I think Arthur Blank is starting to realize that you're going to have to start paying these young players once their rookie contracts run out. But they got a year. They got a couple years. So, keep these guys happy. The sky's the limit for the Falcons. Colin Coward put out a list as the most lethal offenses in the NFL. Number one was Pittsburgh Steelers, which is understandable. And number two was Atlanta Falcons, which you can't go wrong with that. But Atlanta Falcons also have that young, stellar defense. With Steelers, we have a decent defense, 
we don't have near we don't have the talent like Atlanta does. Which is kind of weird to say for the Steelers because I mean they've always had historically great defenses. That's well, where their strength has been. I think what we did we held on to the older players a little bit too long. That's really what we did. I can see that. I, so, I agree. Yeah that that that's what I bring it break it down to is we held on to them just a little bit too long. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but yeah. I think this is one of those kind of flex years where your guys' defense is maybe a little too long. You're going to have to start rebuilding that. And to be honest, I think Big Ben is still great, but he's kind of done that game where, eh, I might be out, I might not. No, Okay, no, I'm definitely playing again. And I mean, there's no arguing. He's on his back nine of his career, and I think he can still perform, but he hasn't really committed either way so it's kind of left them in a limbo of okay do we start bringing in somebody do we not I think Matt Ryan still has three four years of like greatness to be honest I don't think he's he's never been about having the strongest arm throwing it the farthest I think he's kind of all mental almost like a people are going to take this wrong way almost like a Tom Brady not saying Matt Ryan is Tom Brady but Tom Brady's never been the strongest, most physical dude. He's not Matt Stafford. He can't sling that thing down the field, but it's all in his mind. He he can read the defense. He can make the right play, and he can get it where he needs to get it, and I think that's how Matt Ryan is, and I think that gives you a little longer career when you're not relying on your arm strength. To me, the biggest toss-up with this roster is not any of the players. To me, the biggest toss-up is Mr. Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> and I was makes not, sense. I was not a fan last year. Granted, maybe it was just kind of first year struggles, Matt Ryan and the offense getting a feel for Steve Sarkeesian's play calling. But I mean the way that we were playing two years ago and that explosive offense and Matt Ryan having an MVP year. Then Steve Sarkeesian comes in, and it almost brought the offense to a halt at the beginning. I'm hoping now having two years in, this being the second year, will really help that communication. And maybe Steve Sarkeesian has learned a little bit about the roster as well. So I think if there's any hiccups in the team, it will come from the the offensive coordinator communicating to the quarterback. I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping going into this year, they kind of have all the, you know, all the wrinkles ironed out and we can play smoothly throughout the season. But like I said, that is my only worry because that was, to me, the biggest issue last year. Um, Defense, I'm not worried about. Yeah. I don't know. You can say some things about the defense. Maybe we let up towards the end of games if we were up and then teams come back. I mean, obviously that was the deal in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but like, like we just named out the roster. I'm confident in it, and Dan Quinn is a defensive coach. I'm not worried about that. So it's more just Steve Sarkeesian, and if the offense runs smooth, I think it will. I think going into this year we have a little more communication and just that experience. I mean, it's, it is hard first year coming in to the NFL. Everybody in this league is good. Even the sucky teams are your top tier players. <laughs> so that's my look on the Falcons. Um, 
I mean, what are you seeing from your Steelers? I mean, I think we'll be good. I think we'll be at worst twelve and four. I think we got a pretty easy division, as far as with Baltimore and Cincinnati and Cleveland. Which I will say that is one of my sleeper teams this year is Cleveland. Cleveland. I and as far as sleeper, I'm not saying playoffs. No, that's not just. I think I think they could easily go six and ten. Can upset a team that's yeah. not expecting it. Um, I think they can go six to ten, which is. Crazy to say that's a sleeper team, but for Cleveland and where they've been as an organization, oh yeah, six and ten sounds pretty damn good. But for me with NFL, I mean, it's not. That's one of my problems with the NFL. Not every game means something, if that makes sense. So college, if Georgia goes out and loses in game two against South Carolina, that could easily ruin their whole season. It, as yeah. far as it would mean they need to win out the rest of the season. Yeah, and even if they do win out, they might not even have a chance at the playoffs. So NFL, you could lose seven games and make it to the playoffs and then go on a run where you go three and zero and win yeah. the Super Bowl. Now on the flip side though, I do love the NFL because everybody in the NFL is there for a reason. And that is truly the league where every week anybody can win. One team comes out a little flat or the ball bounces a certain way and any team can win any game. And that's what I love about the NFL. But of course you're going to have your powerhouses. One team I am interested in seeing how they do this year, probably the team we talk about the hangover of the week. This team probably gives me the biggest hangover in the league, <laughs> but they're, I do want to see what they do. The Cowboys. I mean, I like Dak Prescott. I liked him at Mississippi state. I just said that in the previous segment, I like Dak Prescott. You got Ezekiel Elliott back. That's going to be a solid team. Um, Des Bryant is out of there as great as he was at one point, as he was at one point, to be honest, I think he probably put a little pressure on Dak Prescott. I mean, you know, they got to come to the sidelines. And Des Bryant saying, hey, why aren't you getting the ball to me? Des Bryant's a semi-TO of <laughs> he got the talent. To be honest, Des Bryant's talent is not there. He hasn't gotten any separation in the last year from defenses. But he's that guy that will still complain if he's not getting the ball. And on a young quarterback like Dak Prescott, that can definitely make you force some stuff. I'm I'm kind of excited to see what they're able to do without Dak Prescott. Just let Dak Press without Dak Prescott without Des Bryant. Let Dak Prescott just run the offense how he wants to make the plays he wants to. Nobody chiming in saying, "Yo, you need to get me the ball." And then, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he is a talent. Like, there's no arguing that. He's a beast on the field. So, I think the Cowboys are definitely exciting to watch. I think the Giants are in a predicament. There's talks now that they're going to come come with a max deal for OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. And that's a weird matchup because there's been times where he's great for them. But there's also been times where he's more of a headache for yeah. them. I mean, we all know his kind of sideline antics. He kind of throws these temper tantrums. To be honest, I think he needs a fresh start. I think him in New York kind of need to cut it off. I think he's a great talent, but it's just a weird fit. Granted, Eli isn't 
a young spring chicken. Eli Manning is getting up there like how we used to see Peyton Manning as like this old veteran. That's Eli now. Eli is the old guy. He's not playing his best. And he's got this like young firecracker in OBJ that now he's got to get the ball to. Especially if they lock him into a long-term contract, then he kind of knows he has free reign to do whatever he wants. I think the Giants are a really weird team going into the season. I could see them going either way. Yeah, and, and Odell says he wants to stay, so it's kind of crazy too because, yeah, if I'm in his position, I, I see we're moving away from Eli and going into a, a quarterback we really don't trust and yeah, a young quarterback or even having a drafted quarterback. So his point, I, I don't see why he does want to stay. I don't either. And I, I, like I said, I think he could get a max deal elsewhere. Yeah, he can. And I think it'd probably be a better fit. I mean, the Giants are an old school organization. They kind of are a by the book NFL team. They're not this like young, exciting, just gun the ball downfield type of team. But if he wants to stay, he wants to say, I just, like I said, that's going to be an interesting setup. Um, other teams to look out for, I think the Rams. Like, I really liked what they did last year, especially, I mean, Gurley is really breaking out as a star in the league. So, I think the Rams are going to be good. I'm really interested to see what goes on with the Raiders. Yeah, especially, so supposedly John Gruden hadn't even talked to Khalil, Khalil Mack since he's gotten the job. Khalil Mack's your best player. So, that's what I'm a little worried about because I think Gruden... He comes from a different era. Yeah, I yeah, and I think he's been out of the game too long. He's been out of the game. I think Gruden, I think he was a I think he's a good coach. I think he's a great announcer. Yeah, I mean, me too. He's I an, hated to see him leave. He's entertaining as hell. There's no getting around that. But the culture has changed. I mean, the guys in the league now these coaches can't strong arm them. It's not that old school football of like these guys are professionals. They see what's going on in the NBA. They see how much power the players have over there. The players want in the NFL want to feel like they have a say so, or they at least want to feel like they have a relationship with the coaches, with the management. They don't want to just come in day one and it feel like boot camp. And I I'm afraid that's how Gruden is going to be because that's how you used to get away in the league. You came in, you had all the authority, and you ran the team like a well-run military. But that's not how it is these days. So that to me, that's a scary sign that Gruden has not talked to Khalil Mack at all. And of course, we got the one team. It's weird that nobody's talking about, but they won the Super Bowl last year. In the Eagles, <laughs> it's like, okay, are the Eagles legit or was last year kind of a fluke? What do you think? I think they're legit, but they won't repeat this year. I think, okay. I think, I think they'll kind of struggle this year. I do think they're legit, though. They are legit. But I see them going 10 and 6, something like that. They won't be as do- dominant as they were last year. And I don't know. It's kind of how you said, like, people aren't talking about them. But I don't know why people aren't talking about them, if that makes sense. Okay, so apart from the Eagles, I mean, 
I agree with you. I think they're still going to be good. I don't think they'll be dominant. But kind of like you were saying, every week doesn't count in the league. The NFL, you can catch a hot streak and make it to the playoffs, and it's a whole new season. And that's, I mean, we've seen the Giants do that twice to win Super Bowls. So I think the Eagles are going to be good. I think they're not losing anything. So that's the biggest thing to watch out for is, I mean, they won with the backup quarterback. So this year they're coming in, they'll have their full roster. It's a long season, but I'm not counting them out of anything. And last team I really want to touch on is probably the one, the team the Eagles beat in the Super Bowl, the Patriots. Cause you got to talk about the Patriots <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah, much yeah. as, as much as everybody hates them. You can't deny their greatness. To be honest, this year, I think it's going to be interesting. Because this is the first year that I can ever remember where the chemistry between Tom and Bill Belichick has not been great publicly. Now, all the reports have been that they've always been professionals to each other. But they've never had a great relationship. Tom has always had a great relationship with Bob Kraft. Tom's never been super close with Belichick. He's never been out, you know, hanging out with Belichick on his boat during the off season. He's he's with he's a Tom Kraft guy. Or Tom Bob. Kraft, Bob Kraft, what the <laughs> hell? He's a Bob Kraft guy. So this year, I mean, this off season, you can't deny it. Tom Brady has said some public stuff kind of dissing the program. Not the program, but Belichick. Again, a lot of it goes back to, I think, Belichick banning Tom Brady's trainer from the facility. And, you know, all these guys were getting into that TB12 method and (laughs) all that stuff. And Belichick banned his trainer from the facility. And Tom Brady, I don't think, has taken a liking to it. And they lost the last Super Bowl. I think there's more turmoil going into this year than there probably ever has for the Patriots. So I'm really interested because I don't see them struggling that much in the regular season. I mean, they still got Gronk. They they still have their full roster. You know, they, they have a great team, but the chemistry is definitely taking a hit. And I don't think, the Patriots are really going to perform come postseason. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think their dynasty's over. I, I do think too. It, I think it ended last Super Bowl. I think they're done. I mean, they'll make the playoffs, of course, this year, but I don't think Tom Brady will ever win another Super Bowl. I agree. I don't I'd, think so. I think this this year you'll see a little decline in the Patriots. And then I think here in the next two years, you'll see it really drop off. And Brady, as good of health as he is, he's getting up there. And we know, I mean, father time, when it hits, it hits fast. I mean, even looking at the NBA, Tim Duncan went from a dominant power forward in the league to he won a national or he won an NBA championship. But that was Kawhi carrying that team. Yeah. Tim Duncan fell off quick and hard, and he was as good as it got. 
and you see that in the NFL. I think this year Patriots are still competitive, but they're not great. And then going to next year, the year after, it falls off hard. So I didn't want to get completely into NFL predictions. I just want to kind of touch on the teams I thought were the most interesting, have the most going on for them because coming up next week, me and KK, we're going to go through, we're going to do this on a weekly basis until the NFL regular season starts, but we're going to cover each division until where we think each team lands within that division. So next week, we'll start off with NFC South because that is my favorite. And we'll, we'll run through the teams, give our opinions on each team, and then we'll go from there. So, with that being said, it's time for Last Call. Alright, so for you guys who don't know, our Last Call is a little segment we like to finish up with. Pretty much talking about it can be about sports, politics, which it's never about politics. We don't like to get into that. But pretty much any news that we wanted to bring fo- bring light. So, last week, NBA signed a three-year deal with MGM Resorts, becoming the mm. first professional sports league to team up with a betting company. And I know we talked about probably about a month ago in one of our podcasts about the, the sports betting is now pretty much open to the states. So, federal government said, it, Yeah, it's the y'all, states, it's state law now. Y'all do whatever federal. you want. Yeah, y'all do whatever you want. So this will allow MGM now to show NBA highlights at the casino, but, huge but, but it won't allow them to show the highlights, stats, and any material you need to make a bet on the app, so on an MGM app, Mm. which, of course, is probably about 80% of where bets are made is on your mobile device. So you have to travel to the casino to place the bet? No, you can make the bet online, okay, on your phone, okay. But you can't. You don't get the the, the highlights. Like, yeah. oh well, his last seven games, he's scoring thirty points a game. So you gotcha. bet on this guy, yeah, kind of like that. But yeah, like I said, eighty percent of the bets made are all on the mobile device. So this is just a small, small uh, sign of progression. And of course, have we talked about it before? NBA is always ahead of the curb. Of course, like. As far as the other professional sports, they're always getting ahead, trying to start this, seeing what they like, kind of model that. I wouldn't even say it's small. I think this is huge to have one of the major four sports in America. You got basketball, baseball, football, and hockey. But eh. I would say I would say soccer is about to take over the the soccer. Is probably getting close on hockey, but the traditional four. This is the first one, the first league. It's not a team. It's the first league to make a deal with a major casino. I mean, yeah. we've all heard the MGM, MGM Grand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the league realizing that hey, this is the changes that are going on. So let's get with the change. Like let's and let's buy in. I know Adam Silver. I mean, he came out. He's come out and said. We're definitely going to look into sports betting. I don't know if I expected it this quickly. Yeah. But, and again, I don't 
want to jump in on the last <laughs> call. But, I mean, I think this is pretty huge for them to take a chance and having an exclusive deal. Because at some point, I think it's going to be open to all casinos. But I think this is almost a trial run. Okay, let's keep this contained just with MGM. I think that way they can keep the data on it and they can see what's going on and really try to pull some data from that going into the years forward, seeing how they want to proceed. Yeah, and you look at MGM's standpoint. It's like, man, we just signed the deal with the NBA. So we get all their stuff. They almost have a somewhat of a, a monopoly of say, hey, we're officially partners with the NBA. Like we got all the official stats and all this stuff. Come make your bets here. So they love that as well. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if you go to the MGM in a year and they have an NBA room. Yeah. And it's oh, just yeah, definitely. screens at you, NBA memorabilia, just an NBA room to get you betting on NBA. I mean, I think that's huge. And to be honest, I think it's it's a smart move by Adam Silver. Like you said, they're always ahead of the curve against the other sports leagues. They are. And just to kind of wrap it all up, it was kind of short, but I just wanted to bring that to light, how big of a move it was as far as Adam Silver saying, hey, this is where the country and this is where we're flowing to. We're flowing towards more betting. Then, hey, let's get ahead of it. Let's not wait around to have MLB or NFL jump on it first. Let's get on it right now. And because you got to think, as far as other than NFL, hell, NBA's right around the corner as well. I mean, they start in oh, yeah. mid-late October, so they're right around the corner. So they got plenty of time to for people to get interested in that, get all their bets in. So I know there's a lot of talk with the Raiders moving to Vegas that, okay, they're going to try to create those relationships, but it's still up to the NFL to give the go-ahead. And we, we all know how the NFL is run. So. Yeah, I think the NFL will be really slow on it, even having a presence in Vegas. So, I think Adam Silver probably realizes this is a huge revenue opportunity as well. People people are already betting on you anyways. Let's have an official brand facilitating that. Let's get a cut of that because mm-hmm. we're giving you the exclusive licensing rights. So, you know, MGM... MGM is paying a buttload to the NBA to have these exclusive rights. And like I said, I think it's a trial period. And if this goes well here in the next year or two, I could see them start licensing that out to other casinos, other betting brands. Yeah, I think that that's really all it is, is part of licensing and getting our name on it. Because people are betting on them regardless. Like, this, this, this isn't going to oh my God, like we can bet now because people, the people that are betting there are, they've been betting. Yeah. They're betting regardless. But now you get to have your official name on that and that's just adding more revenue for and, you. I mean, you even have, like you said, people who've been betting are going to still be betting. It's nothing new. But now you bring in the casual better. For example, I went on my honeymoon a couple years ago. We were down in Aruba. Sports betting is legal down there. That was the first place where I just saw a somewhere or right in front of me I could put in money and I could bet on sports. That's you don't find that in the states. I'm a casual better. I'm not I'm not a big sports better. I'm just okay, if it's there I'll do it. So all of a sudden you're going to have this influx of tourism 
granted, Vegas already has a huge tourism economy, but you're going to have people just in the casino anyways who think they know something about the NBA. They're going to go throw some money on a game just because they're already there. Maybe not your online bettors, but your typical tourists who are over there to gamble for a weekend, all of a sudden you're getting that money going into MGM. I think it's mutually beneficial. MGM is going to make a bunch of money. NBA probably got a lot of money up front just to give that licensing. I think Adam Silver knows what he's doing. He does. And we've said this time and time again. He's the, as far as is the the president of all the sports league, he's by far the best. He sees this, he recognizes it, and he makes his move. Yeah. So that right there is my last call. All right. Short, sweet, and to the point. So that is the last call. So going out, rounding this show out. Uh, we definitely appreciate everybody listening to this. Again, if you haven't tried it, go try some Founders Brewing Backwoods Bastards. Shout out to Backwoods. Shout out. Y'all Y'all got a fan now. Um, I'm going to be drinking this up in the mountains <laughs> here in a couple months. So if you haven't already, look at us on iTunes. Um, go ahead and rate us. Subscribe to us. Leave a comment if you want. You can find us on iTunes, Ballers on Tap. For you Android folks, check out Stitcher, Ballers on Tap. Or, you know, if you're just at your computer working, you can always go to ballersontap.com. Listen to us there. Again, any of the support helps. Uh, KK, got any parting words? Just want to say, appreciate all you guys listening. Give us some feedback, man. We'd love to hear it. All right. And that's the show. This has been Ballers on Tap.